Let your glory reign. Shining like the day, King of heaven, come. We just sang those words. And today, as we continue in our series about the King is coming, we're going to recognize sights and sounds of the kingdom. Sights and sounds are, most of the time, the things that we just assimilate automatically, right? Probably, if we close our eyes and just think for a moment about what it might look like or what it might sound like in our homes, we'd have a pretty good idea. We could probably describe to other people around us what home looks like and what it sounds like. And not just home where you live right now, but other homes where you have lived. Places where, you know, maybe where you grew up. The house you grew up in, the, what the environment was like. If you were out in the countryside, for example, it sounds different and it looks different from suburban settings or from urban settings. When I was a kid growing up, um, we had some acreage. We were only 20 minutes from like the center of downtown Cincinnati. So um, we could be there quickly, had all the city things accessible. But where we lived, we had 28 acres and neighbors of ours had 50 and 100 and 150. And so there were big pieces of property around. And on our property, we had a couple of ponds. And so the sights and sounds there were pretty different from if we would go into the city. In the summertime, the windows open at night, the sound of frogs by the pond or crickets in the, in the woods or orchards, like that is, that's my childhood, right? And if I think about it, I can remember that sound. Maybe there's other sights and sounds, a place you worked, a car that you drove and how, it, how its engine sounded. Maybe it was a low rumble. Maybe it was one of those higher pitched, you know, little four-cylinder cars that was tuned up to be like zippy. Sights and sounds are familiar to us. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, is how the song goes. And so we have trees and wreaths and garland and all the things that um, we set up each year about this time. The Advent wreath is set up, the blue on the altar. These are sights of December, sights of the Advent season that remind us of the things that we're talking about through this time as we anticipate Jesus coming and as we anticipate him coming again. Our experience informs our perception of reality, and so sometimes we're looking for signs. We're looking for evidence or indications of what's happening through what we can experience. John the Baptist asked for assurance. Luke chapter 7, our gospel reading for today. John sends two of his disciples to Jesus, and it says this at verse 20. When the men had come to him, to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Are you the one? John has invested his life. Last week we talked about He's the forerunner of Jesus. He's preparing people for the, the ministry and the you know, onset of what Jesus was going to do. He was out there blazing the trail, right? So John has good reason to ask. If you've invested your life into something and then there's the, well, is this right? 
moment, John has plenty of reason to ask. And last week, at the end of our reading, it reminded us that he was locked up in prison, and we know from elsewhere that his life was at risk. And he knew it. He knew he wasn't gaining friends, you know, in powerful places. He knew that things were happening um, that, was, that were dangerous for him. And he, here he's heard about what Jesus is doing. So, um, verse 18, the beginning of our reading, it says, John's disciples reported all these things to him. And if we can back up a little further and find out what these things are. Jesus has gotten a reputation among the people because of things that he's doing, because of what is happening around him. So in verse 18, you know, John's disciples report that he sends them to Jesus. Ask him this question, are you the one who was to come? Interesting thought, though. Who's the assurance actually for? I think Jesus is telling his disciples, no, sorry, I think John is telling his disciples He's the one who wants to come. Go see it. (laughs) Go ask the question and see what he tells you. Learn what there is to learn. Absorb what you can absorb. Figure out, do the sights and sounds match what I've been telling you this whole time about the one who was to come? So it's really not for John, I don't think. I think it's for his followers who get sent to Jesus. See, we trust what we can experience. So there they were, you know, following John, hearing about one who was to come. Now go get the experience. There are sights and sounds of Christmas. The One Minute Wednesday I recorded this past week was of sights that don't match up. If you just drive up Piedmont Road, I get disoriented when we're in there. There's no windows, but kind of that way, right? On the... There's a field, an orchard on the left, and under those trees there are these yellow flowers that are blooming. It's disorienting. (laughs) Makes me think it's like March or April when I drive past there. And if you go that way, you can find the trees with white blossoms on them. That's wrong. But some rainfall and some warm temperatures and the, the trees and the flowers got fooled. Sights and sounds need to match, right? And when they don't match, we kind of get disoriented. Just night before last, there was a big tornado in Kentucky and Illinois. Um, Maybe you saw the, the news and saw some pictures of it. Even on familiar streets, when buildings get damaged and demolished and things are knocked down and just destroyed, you don't know where you are. It doesn't feel right. There should be a building there. There should be a, you know, a store there. There should be a factory there or houses along here. So people are probably disoriented in those cities, in those towns that were leveled because it shouldn't look that way. It shouldn't look like this destruction. When I go back to where I grew up and I drive around now, it's really bizarre to have things that I remember not there. (laughs) And like all these memories that I have are now kind of compressed. So things that I knew aren't there. Like I know I was still there when that building was taken down, when that house was removed or whatever it was. So I knew that. 
But now when I go, I'm like looking for things, you know, or just in my mind, I'm like, there was, there used to be a house there. The sights have changed. We trust what we can experience. People went to see what was happening. And faith can be a challenge for us because our experience is so powerful. So the question is, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? People went to find John probably for the experience. Jesus asked them this question in verse 24. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? What were you expecting? A reed shaken by the wind? I had to read some commentary about that because that sounds kind of strange. Um, the interpretation that the commentary at least shared was, you know, is it a person who just goes wherever the wind goes? You know, oh, the winds are blowing this way, I'll say these things. The winds are blowing this way, I'll say these things. Is that what you went to see? What did you go to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? No, you wouldn't expect that because that kind of person is in the palace. What did you go to see? A prophet? Uh-huh. Yes. That's who John is, a prophet, one who is speaking on God's behalf, one who is preparing people. Going to see gives us assurance. Do sometimes we need assurance? Do sometimes we want to have evidence? We want to see and experience and have something tangible in our lives about the things that we've heard or the things that we believe? Certainly sometimes we do. So we find sights and sounds of the kingdom. See, the kingdom is where the king is. This is the thing about Jesus' kingdom. Normally, when we think of a kingdom, we think of, right, borders and maybe walls. And, you know, when there's a king, there's going to be, you know, a palace and some territory. And it's drawn on a map. And you can see the border and you know what it looks like. And maybe even if it's changing, right, even if that kingdom is expanding, if territory is being taken over, it still can be drawn on a map and there's a place, there's a shape. The kingdom of God doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God works wherever the king is, the kingdom's there. So when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes with him. I remember these uh, Dawn detergent commercials, probably from the 1980s. And, um, you know, Dawn takes grease or out of your way or something like that. Remember those? And I remember seeing, like, they, they showed this, like, bowl of water, and there was the oil s- stuff on the top. And then, like, one drop of the detergent hits it, and the oil just goes out to the edge. Do you remember that one? I think that's what God's kingdom kind of looks like. Jesus shows up, boom, and there it is. Where he is, that's where the kingdom is. And so there's sights and sounds that accompany the presence of Jesus And he goes on to talk about them. Where Jesus is, the kingdom of God is present. And this is what we heard in Zephaniah chapter 3. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. The Lord is in your presence, and so the kingdom is here. Jesus brings restoration. In that hour, this is uh, verse 21 from Luke 7. 
In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And that comes right after the question. Right? John sent us to ask you, are you the one who was to come, or shall we look for another? And verse 21, that's verse 20, 21 says, this is what he did. In that hour, he was doing these things. The signs were plainly visible that he was the one to come, and prophecy, specific prophecy from Isaiah was fulfilled in that. Here are four. From Isaiah 26, verse 19, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. And in verse 18 of uh, Isaiah 29, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. And in chapter 35, Isaiah says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And one more in chapter 42. Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. There's sights and sounds to be seen and heard. And they'll be seen and heard by people who cannot see and hear before the kingdom comes. And Jesus points to other signs as well. Second half of verse 22, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news preached to them. And in those words, hearkening back to Isaiah chapter 61, words that Jesus actually read, and this is when we, he was in the, scroll of Isaiah was open, and he sat down, and he read it, um, and then he said, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Remember that scene? Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Compare that to the sights and the sounds that we're used to. What are we used to in our lives, in our experience? Now we're used to social distancing and wearing masks. We're used to people in pain and suffering through illness and disease, degeneration of our bodies and all the complications that happen among our physical health. We're used to people hurting us. We're used to the feeling, the burden of what do people think. We're used to conflict with even people in our families, maybe neighbors, conflict between nations. We're used to all of this brokenness. And the sights and the sounds that accompany, that's familiar. We could close our eyes and imagine it all. We don't even have to close our eyes. It's where we live all the time, no matter our address. And it doesn't really change, right? It happens in the countryside. It happens in the city. These are the sights and the sounds of this broken world. But Jesus brings something different. There are signs for all of us who are looking. 
for John and his disciples, for the people of Israel, for us. That he is the one who was to come to fulfill prophecy and to accomplish these things as a foretaste of what he's bringing. When Jesus was walking the earth, the kingdom was present in its almost fullness. When he comes again, it'll be fully realized. And all the brokenness goes away. And there is no more deafness or blindness or pain or suffering or hurt or conflict. And things will be set right and things will be perfect. So go and tell. This is what Jesus said to John's disciples. He answered them, go and tell John what you, what you have seen and heard. You've experienced it now. Go share that with the one who sent you. Go and tell. It's natural to share news that we have. Good news, bad news. It's natural to want to express it, to process things with other people. Out of the ordinary events, even more so. Right? When things are kind of the same old, same old, then we don't have a lot to talk about. But when something exciting happens, when there's a new experience, when there's a, a new occasion when there's a new relationship, new job, new place, whatever it is, those are things we want to share. We've experienced God's kingdom in Christ, at least at a glimpse. We have seen the kingdom because the kingdom of God is at hand and we are part of it by God's grace. So we have seen God's work. Our friend Greg Finke asked the question, well, the fun question is, how's God messing with you? We've shared that question a number of times. But on the, you know, to break that down into other questions that help us process that, is how have you seen God at work? Because God is at work in our lives, and when we're looking for it, we see it clearly. When we're paying attention, we can notice the things that God is doing. But I think God's doing so much more more than we can perceive, more than we can know. He's already doing in our lives and in this world, even in its brokenness, God is at work. And so we can see. There's a VBS song that we've sung a number of times. His fingerprints are everywhere. God's fingerprints are everywhere on us, on our lives in this world. We can see it. And we can hear. We have heard his word, read, Proclaimed, preached, sung. We hear God's voice through the power of the Spirit working in us. So we see and hear. So we can rejoice at the coming of the King. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. Those are words from Zephaniah 3. Sing aloud, rejoice, exult. We have seen and we have heard the one who was to come. We have seen and heard that he has been in our midst, that he is present in our lives, and we know because we trust in his promise that he is coming 
again. These are the sights and sounds of the kingdom. It's beginning to look a lot like the kingdom of God is in.